I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the Doctor Who Show's review of episode 11, World Enough and Time, the penultimate episode of Capaldi's last season. Rob, how are you? Dave, I am freezing. I... (laughs) It was about four degrees this morning. I know people are very interested in the weather down here. It was four degrees this morning, and my fingers are still freezing sitting here in my little study. It's horrible. Yeah, it is It is quite cold, but I'm, I'm almost too tired to notice. As listeners know, I've been in Canberra last week for um, the parliamentary sitting, and as Australians who watch the news would know, the Senate sat quite late a couple of nights. It certainly did. It was well after midnight, the final time it sat, wasn't it? It was well after midnight that I got out of the office on Thursday night. So <laughs> between that and delayed flights home due to fog on the Friday, I've, <laughs> I've had a very quiet weekend. Okay, so if you're a bit dusty during this episode, we'll know why. I'm sure I will cope. I'm sure that enthusiasm will get me through. Now, Rob, before we go on any further... yes. We don't normally make a big deal of spoiler warnings in this show because we kind of assume people have watched the episode before they listen to the review. But I think more than ever in this one, mm. we need to say outright, we can't review this without massive episode spoiling spoilers. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you haven't for any reason watched the episode on this occasion more than any other Please stop and go and watch the episode first. Yes, even if you're one of those people who listen to review shows and you think, oh, I'll, I'll watch Doctor Who maybe next month or in six months' time, this this will really spoil things, I think. Yeah. Mm. So with that warning out of the way, let's start with our words of the week. Rob, what's yours? My word of the week, Dave, is genuflection. <laughs> <laughs> You've got all out with that one, haven't you? I certainly have. I got the thesaurus out and everything. Oh, wow. Uh, I've gone with the word impossible. Okay, excellent. Well, uh, before we move on, we also had some email uh, straight after the episode from Martin Oates, and he uh, briefly said, look forward to hearing your thoughts on this penultimate episode. I'll give you my word of the day, disappointed. Ooh. Mm, So that's beer is the answer from Twitter, who normally writes into us. Uh, Disappointed. Hmm. Well, let's start right at the top. Rob, how are you feeling after watching that episode? Okay, I will say up front that I liked it. I certainly didn't like it as much as some people I've seen on social media. Uh, After I watched it, I went on and sort of had a look around. Some people absolutely adored this. I have a few issues with it, but on the whole, I liked it. Yeah, it's interesting you put it that way. My liking of this episode almost felt like time on the spaceship in the episode. Right. In that, in the first sort of five minutes, I was sort of going, oh, this is this grumble, grumble, grumble. (laughs) As the episode approached its conclusion, my excitement and my enjoyment grew considerably. And there were certainly moments as the ending built up, even though I could see exactly where it was going, where the the excitement of it, the the inner inner fanboy, the, the, the young child that grew up watching Doctor Who inside me Hmm. was getting very excited by some of the things that they were about to see. So there's a lot of good. And I I walked off the episode very sort of up in the air, like, wow, Uh, with the exception of the what's to come next Trump trailer, which we will be dealing with, I promise you. (laughs) It's interesting you say you could see where it was going, uh, because last night on Twitter, Australian time, that is last night, I had two conversations with two different people, and in both of them, we kind of nailed major plot points so maybe parts of this episode were were very easy to sort of guess what would happen because we were certainly talking about them last night well yeah that's right i mean i was engaged in one of those conversations and i made the point that if you watch the very last trailer that came out about three days ago there was a scene in that that basically had a very quick shot but it, it, it wasn't so quick that you needed to pause the you know youtube to to see it it was there just with normal eyesight, mm. there was a shot of Bill lying down with what looked like a chest unit or cyber, very primitive cyber garbs over her chest. Yeah. And that's why I made the point. I think I, said, I think I said the words based on the trailer that came out last night. If there's one shot there that says Bill's in a lot of trouble this week. That's right. And, and I was replying to someone because I'd posted some pictures and one of the pictures was Capaldi touching Cyberman on the chest unit. And someone said, I hope that's not Bill. I said, well, look, I think it might be Bill with the way he's sort of reacting to them there. So, you know, the other thing was uh, someone talking and we'll get onto this, I'm sure, big time talking about spare parts and saying, I hope this story doesn't overwrite spare parts. And I was talking about, you know, well, 
what is happening on Mondas, what's happening on the ship. They're probably from Mondas, blah, 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 blah. And that sort of came true as well. Anyway, we're probably leaping ahead of ourselves. Maybe we should pull back to the pre-credit sequence and just get that out of the way first. Sure. So again, I go back to a comment I made during the week in the build-up to this where I said this episode is either going to be a loving Peter Capaldi tribute to the 10th planet mm. or it's going to be some bizarre moffity moffatness. Yes. And the moment that the Doctor stepped out onto an Antarctic-style landscape mm. looking like he's about to regenerate, I thought this is going to be a Capaldi love letter to the 10th planet. Yes. Like how, how, how invocating of the 10th planet was that whole scene? Oh, absolutely. You know, in my notes, I've, I noted, is he at the South Pole? You know, and of course, I'm thinking <laughs> yep. about the Mondasian Cybermen. Of course, I'm looking at the snow. Of, of, of course, that's not a profound thing to say. But yes, I was thinking that too. Yes. And if he is in Antarctica, I hope he's in one of the Australian Antarctic Territory areas because they're the best bits of Antarctica. Quite right. <laughs> Yeah, look, uh, just on it, I made some notes. I, I put this is intriguing. His hair looks great. Very Pertwee-esque, which is leading me to think that this might have been filmed just recently because his hair is certainly longer in that sequence than it was in the rest of the episode. I jotted down that he's regenerating outside the TARDIS, and that's notable because Eccleston, Tennant and Smith all regenerated inside the TARDIS, as did several of the classic era Doctors as well, so being outside is interesting. But... And there's a huge but here, Dave. Doesn't this make the fake-out regeneration in Lie of the Land seem even stupider to have done now? Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Not just because of the fact that, as you particularly have pointed out in the past, Rob, it just detracts from the, 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 the almost sacred nature of regeneration to a fan. Mm. But now, when you have what could well be a very genuine preview of an incoming regeneration... There is a part of me, and I think maybe the same with you, Rob, there's a part of me going, uh, you know what, guys, fool me once. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we do have the sense that this time it's for real. You know, Capaldi's running out of episodes for it not to be real. But yeah. the whole effect, and I don't mean the special effect, I mean the effect of it on me, you, you know, emotionally, was just lessened by half because mm. of what was done in Lie of the Land. It's like, yeah, I've seen him do this before. This isn't shocking to me. This isn't interesting. You know, yet I know this is important because I think this is it. Yeah, th that's right. Two thirds of me is saying this is it. This is oh, oh wow, this is this is all happening. But as I say, there is the bit word at the back of my mind just going, you know what? They've tricked you once. They they they're happy to do this with Regen. So, you know, he's still got potentially two whole episodes and a full Christmas special. Maybe it's not. Mm. And and yeah, that 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 is a great shame. In, in fact, the whole the whole episode. One day we're going to look back at this, I think, with a bit, bit more of a clearer head, having not literally just watched it a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah, and we can say that for all our episodes we've done this series. Yeah, but but are we going to sort of ask ourselves how necessary was the blanket saturation of the plot in the advertising for this? Because how much of what was to come was just blown away by the to come next week, by the trailers, and was that a problem in the end? I'm not sure we can judge that yet. Mm. Yeah, well, look, certainly knowing the, the Mondasian Cybermen, as everyone's calling them now, <laughs> instead of just the Cybermen, we're going to be in this. You know, that was making me think of the South Pole as soon as that pre-credits started. Knowing the Master was in it was making me think, oh, when's he going to show up and start interacting with Missy? Knowing all these things, yes, it, it, it was a shame. Actually, I think Bob Fleming, who's one half of the Letter Lords here on uh, our feed, and also from Prog to Who, he was saying if, if he hadn't known any of that, he would have just lost his mind watching this episode. It would have been so much better. I mean, he still enjoyed it very much. So, yeah, the advertising and the marketing did, did affect things to, to some degree, I think. Yeah, and I don't think you can blame the production team for it because the way this episode was presented to the viewer did seem to work on the assumption you didn't know what was coming because they so carefully and delicately and subtly move you towards both the fact that this was a cyber genesis story and the fact that bill was going to get caught up in that in such a profound way mm. you know or there were all the little hints or little word plays all the little costume hints the build up the build up you know the, you go is it is it oh my god it is it's, it's, there it is <laughs> no pun intended with the build up oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry no, yeah instead we kind of had that yeah, okay, it's going down this path. Okay, it's doing this thing we know it's going to do this way. Mm. Um, on the other hand, is it the duty of the BBC to get people 
excited and watching? And if uh, the answer to that is yes, well, the trailer stuff did do a very good job, I think, of getting certainly fandom very, very excited and watching. We'll know in a week's time whether it got the casual viewer excited and watching as well. Can Doctor Who crack three million? Come on, you can do it. Come on. That's the benchmark now, is it? Okay, no comment. <laughs> well, look, after last week's episode, you know, what was that, 2.8 or something? That that was very low. And yet, it was over 20% of the viewing audience. I think a lot of people just weren't watching television. Yeah, look, it is it is the height of summer over there, and quite a nice summer by all accounts. Mm, yeah, friend of the show, uh, Mark from 42 to Doomsday, in loving it over there at the moment. Yes. Hello to Mark if you're listening, and given that you're on holiday and enjoying the English summer, you're probably not. <laughs> At least not not yet. You might be listening in a couple of weeks' time. True, true. Uh, uh, unless the kids are getting to him and he's had to put on a podcast just to get away from them. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Anyway, let's get on to the storyline. Dave, I want to start off by saying this started off way too jokey. The, the Missy and the whole I'm Doctor Who thing was unnecessary. It was a bit stupid. And if it had to be there, I thought it was overdone and over long as well. Like, they just kept stretching it out and stretching it out. Maybe this jokiness was to contrast that Bill was about to get a hole blown in the chest, but I don't think it had to go to stupid town either to get there. You're using almost exactly my words there, Rob. Ooh, I, 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 I wrote down the word, this is stupid. Mm, yeah. um, not, not just is the elongation of the joke stupid, it's a joke that is so meta- and so up fandom's ass yes. that, that I'm just sitting there thinking anybody else who hasn't spent their life engaged in is it the Doctor or is it Doctor Who debate is going to go, what the hell is all this nonsense about? And also stupid because apparently they've gone back to this thing that to make Missy interesting or funny, they've got to make her bloody stupid. Yeah. Like yeah. As, as though Missy now suddenly doesn't know how to use the English language. Yeah. Like, this was just, she was so bad in these opening few minutes. So, so bad. Because she was just stupid. Look, to play devil's advocate, the only way I can sort of make it right in my head is that this is a an act. It's a mask that she uses when she goes out in public. And we've been seeing her, you know, locked up, and we've seen maybe the real her. But then when she goes out, she puts on the hat at a jaunty angle, and she'll dab, and she'll say stupid things because it's it's a persona, but it's still stupid. Yeah, I, I, could, I could accept that is what they are perhaps going for, but... Uh, and and maybe that will come out a bit better with we see the, uh, the the second half of this maybe, but you're right. The, nevertheless, the viewer experience or my viewer experience watching it was this is stupid. Mm. Yeah, un unfortunately so. Especially after we've been praising Missy week after week after week for being more interesting. Yeah, and, and you know Missy has been slowly growing on me as somebody who hasn't liked her in the past. Mm. She has been slowly growing on me this, this, this season. And um, then to get this, and I'm just going, yep, yep. It's, it's, it's actually worse than it used to be. It was, it is, I think these were her worst scenes ever. Yeah. yeah, quite possibly. Now, I mentioned Bill getting a hole blown in the chest there. There's one of the spoilers we were talking about earlier, folks. Um, <laughs> this injury, I thought, Dave, was fantastic because it flagged that, no, it's not just a flesh wound. This is really big-time stuff. Although I did wonder how she survived it at all, because it's removed her spine. It seems to have removed her heart. What about the shock of that happening? Surely you would die. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, let, let's take this in two parts, kind of like the episode itself. <laughs> in, in, in the first instance, you're right. The, the actual moment there where the gunshot was pulled, there's a moment when I thought he maybe shot the doctor. And this was going to trigger the regeneration that would sort of, you know, take a while to take place. That, that For a second, that's where I thought. And then they're going, no, no, he shot. Oh, my God, he has shot Bill. Mm. And um, you, you're right. It, it did remind me of uh, the final episode of Blake 7 where Gareth Thomas said, look, if I'm going to appear once again, I want to make it absolutely clear I've been killed this time, which means when I get shot, I want to see, you know, bits of chest flying everywhere. Yeah. You know, it need, <laughs> needs to be absolutely unambiguous. This has killed me. Yep. That's and uh, yeah, look, <laughs> it also reminds me though of a moment in um, the movie Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And if you've seen that movie, you'll know which one I mean. If you haven't, it won't make any sense. So I won't elaborate. But yeah, my then my mind then did turn to what do you mean she's still alive? Mm, exactly, 
Exactly. And, and I, I guess maybe, you know, you could say, look, the, the, the brain has yet to shut down and that's kind of all they need. You know, with, with the technology they have, they can go, look, you know, the brain's still only a minute or so in its shutdown. Therefore, it's still intact. Therefore, we can reanimate it complete with a um a chest unit that's replacing the heart and lungs as they famously do so look i had the same thought as you i i kind of forgave it right what about the reactions afterwards though i mean in thin ice the guy called bill names and the doctor smashed him in the face here a guy blows a hole in a chest and everyone just sort of stands around like oh okay i mean i i get that there might be shock going on but the doctor doesn't even try to disarm the guy as far as i can recall that seemed weird no one reacting, Dave. Yeah, I, I, for an instant there when Bill was shot, I was waiting for Capaldius to sort of, you know, fly across the room and smash the guy. Yeah. Like, I, I was waiting for that. But I must admit, I, I, will, I did buy the idea that the Doctor's just hugely, hugely in shock. And let me now get to this point. Again, the Doctor's own stupid decisions have led to this point. So I kind of get that everything else in his mind now is is kind of irrelevant because I, I certainly could very squarely put the blame at Bill's, in inverted commas, death at the stupid decisions the Doctor's made. The Doctor has let Missy out of the vault. The Doctor has let Missy take them to this place and let Missy take charge of the situation with him sort of only stepping in at the last moment when it was already out of control. Mm. And I kind of go, you know what, Doctor, perhaps more than any other you know companion in... Uh, fatal jeopardy moment this is down to you yeah absolutely i mean he's munching chips in the tardis he knows what's going on because i think when they notice the black hole he's like oh yeah you just noticed that you know he he he's across all of this he knows what's going on and he's still letting it happen yeah he he has basically used bill and nuddle as guinea pigs in an experiment with missy and i thought that was absolutely reprehensible and you know, maybe, maybe this is a Pertwee reference in that Pertwee's regeneration was at the end of the day brilliantly written by, by Barry Letts and Terence Dix as the karmic penalty for his greed and his arrogance of his regeneration. Mm. And and maybe we're going to see that the Capaldi regeneration is his comeuppance or his karmic retribution for allowing his companions to, you know, be sacrificed for his own indulgence. Yeah, I think it could well be along those lines. I will say, though, that while this was all going on, we did have those nice flashbacks to the Doctor describing the Master to Bill. Yeah, how lovely was that? They were very nice scenes. They were lovely. They were absolutely lovely. The way that they were shot, the way that Capaldi just made them breathe, the way that Bill sort of... You know, ne- neither is she going, yeah, rubbish, or yeah, that's a load of crap, or neither is she going, oh, okay, I'll take it all. And she's got this sort of incredulous but wonderment mixed together. It's a lovely reaction she has. Yeah, and and I, I did want to throw that in here because it seems we've started off saying about this episode, oh, this was stupid and this made no sense and this was wrong. Yeah. But there were these wonderful scenes being intercut at the same time that were just great. Yeah. Okay. So let's get down to something that I thought was good. Mm-hmm. When the lift arrived, I thought the tension being built up there was really good. Uh, we were waiting to see, you know, would it be a Cyberman that came out of there or not? And then when those those creatures, those sort of half Cyberman things came out, I'm going, ooh, mm. I see where this is going. Ooh, okay. And I got a little bit of a chill. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even the top knots on these patients' heads um, are yes. there because the original costume had to have a top knot, which is why they put the little hat on them, I think, Dave. I think so, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that that to me just... That, that was the point at which the episode did turn from this is, you know, this, this is people being un, unwittingly stupid to, okay, now we're really starting this story and this is getting... This is getting intense. This is getting spooky. Yeah, which further suggests to me that maybe the the jokey stuff was to be a counterpoint to, like the when it turns serious, you know, a nice contrast. But I still thought it was a bit too jokey. Moving on, we go down to the other end of the ship. This is where I've got to say they've recreated the world of spare parts. There's no there's no other way of saying it. Okay. I mean, Dave, the the, the creepy hospital, the city with a roof. 
the the general feel of the place, like it's post World War Two London. Um, all of this, and I know it's a Cyberman story, and it's a it's a genesis of the Cyberman story. So of course, people who have heard spare parts are thinking spare parts. But to me, these could have been scenes out of spare parts. Okay, so I will I will make a confession now, and don't throw me out of fandom when I say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have listened to spare parts, but only once. Right. I know it was almost exactly 13 years ago because a bunch of, a bunch of us listened to it on the way back from a certain 42 to Doomsday podcast member's wedding. So I know exactly what date I listened to it. And I must admit, I I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was the um, mind-blowing, you know, classic experience that a lot of other people did. So I've sort of – look, I remember it and it was enjoyable, but I don't have nearly detailed enough memories of it that I was sitting here like others going, this is the spare parts reference. So most of that stuff, I, I confess, completely went over my head. Okay. All right. Now, that's fair. Look, I've listened to it in the last six months. So right. it's still okay. reasonably fresh in my mind. And, and just the, the feeling, the downtrodden feeling of this city and, and the old school hospital and, and, again, the city having a roof. Yeah, look, to me it was very spare parts. And then it started to make me think, okay, the established cyber history is that Mondas was dying. Okay, so maybe that's why they've taken to the stars here on a colony ship. But the invention of the cyber race, to me, was a, a Mondas thing, like happening on the planet itself, not sort of being worked through on the ship. And I guess the only way I can sort of reconcile that is that it's happening simultaneously. Like down on Mondas, they, they're doing the same sort of experiments and coming up with the same solutions as, as what they're doing on the ship. Yeah, look, all of these thoughts have crossed my mind as well. How do you rationalise this with what we kind of knew slash assumed from extant cyber history? Uh, I've kind of compartmentalised that off into my mind for next week. You know, is it going to be that the Cyber Mondasians take over the ship and then go, right, we're now going to go back and recolonise Mondas because we no longer have to leave? Or uh, was it just, well, well, this is the thing. It, it was only 50 people on that ship initially. Mm. So, so you know, it, it, it wasn't, you know, thousands of people leaving Mondas on the ship. They were just going to Mondas to collect some people. So do the Cybermen go down now and conquer Mondas and say, well, this, this planet we're near is pretty cool. We'll make it our home. Well, indeed. But, but wasn't the planet having issues anyway? Maybe... That's what I thought. Look, I, I think we're probably, yeah, can't can't do that until we see next week. Mm. Um, there are ways that it absolutely could fit in with what we thought we knew about cyber history. There are, uh, there are ways in which this could trample completely and utterly all over cyber history. So, yeah, I think we might have to judge that one next week. All right, we'll put that on ice for now. Bill, once she's off on her excellent adventure, the Doctor and Missy and Nardole sort of become cameos on the whole. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess I guess once you've got a, a story that has time travelling in two different speeds, you either allow the one that's happening in the fastest time zone to slow down so that, that it can interact in real time with the, the, the other one, mm. which is what they did, and I think that just inevitably means that, yeah, they, they, they do become a more minor part, or, or you sort of have the two travelling at different speeds and flashing back to each other and you know and, and that's what they could have done they could have done for that, that that sort of narnia thing of the doctor thinks okay it's only taken me an hour to sort this problem out now i'll go find bill oh my god it's been three years in her life yeah um but what instead they did was they went for the other path which was we, we're aware of this and, and we'll just keep it a little bit more linear and i think that probably was the safer option no fair enough fair enough in terms of joking around right after bill gets her cyber chest unit there's some incredibly jokey music playing and she's sort of getting around and, you know, she does that hide and seek thing with the curtain and the fellow who turns out to be the sim master. And I was thinking, this is very light for something that's just happened that is very, very heavy. <laughs> oh, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you. I actually thought that there was a lot of tension in, the, in all of that. And maybe I, I wasn't paying as much attention to the music as you were, or just, just in a different frame of mind. But um, I found all of that stuff from the moment she wakes up, kind of spooky i guess kind of because i knew what it meant and therefore i knew where it was going mm. to the point that where the um the guy that i called zathras <laughs> very good <laughs> just just in my inner monologue i'm like oh zathras is doing this now zathras is doing this now um 
that's a that's a Babylon Five reference for those who those who know. Um, because uh, did the character get a name? I I don't know one because yeah, I that, don't that, know that, what it is if he is. Yeah, that's right. I didn't know. I didn't hear a name either. So that's why I just called him Zathras in my head. Um, so <laughs> yeah, all, all all the stuff, particularly when Zathras says, "Oh, you only needed partial conversion now, but don't worry, you'll get your full conversion soon." Mm. I'm going lovely little throwaway line. This is really this is going down this path now. Yeah. So I, I, I found this all very tense, very spooky. Um, the Nurse Ratchet character as well just added to that sense of doom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if she'd been the television stereotype pretty nurse, it would have been a shame. But because she was a Nurse Ratchet-type character, that added, I think, to the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think there were some very clever decisions played. And by this stage in the episode, I'm really starting to to turn and go, this this is getting really good. This is really exciting me. And can I just say there was a character like that in Spare Parts as well. She was a, a matron or a nurse of some kind because she's out visiting the family early on in the story and then later in the story she, um, I think she got cybernized uh, herself. Spoilers. I'm sorry, spoilers for Spare Parts. Anyway. So, yeah, but let's, let me just say, if somebody who's listened to Spare Parts is going, here's some nice references but somebody who really doesn't remember it is completely missing them. I think that's kind of continuity or references done right. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a good comment. We were mentioning the Sim Master as well just then. Um, when did you twig that it was the Sim Master? I twigged when he was talking to Missy, but before the conversation got onto the super duper, it's really obvious it's the master moment. Uh, yeah, I was about the same. Mm. I was about the same. I, um, I, I thought that there was more to Zathras than they were letting on. Yeah. You know, I thought that he would be, you know, yeah, yeah there, 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 I, I knew there was something more to him. He wasn't just the innocent, nice guy janitor. <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking, you know, what if it's him? And then I started looking at his eyes because obviously there was some heavy makeup going on. So I looked at the eyes and I thought, ah, I think that's John Sim. <laughs> yeah. Once he started talking to Missy, I thought, okay, yeah, okay. Now I know who he is. Um, so I was just ahead of the reveal, which I think is a good good place to be. Yeah, look, and it, it was a nice homage to the kind of stuff Delgado used to do, but especially Ainley. I mean, I remember watching Castrovalva as a kid. I didn't realise that was the master in Castrovalva, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was young, Dave. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember how old I was when I saw Castrovalva, but, um, yeah. There were, certainly there were some Ainley ones that did, did for me for a while. Mm. Um. But yeah, no, no, you're right. It was it was a really clever master reference, and I don't know why it was, but I've looked at John Sim in these trailers, you know, that that, that half a second shot of him or whatever, and gone, yeah, okay, that that's that's good. For some reason, when the seeing him in action here and the full properly shot, I thought, wow, this is the master. Yeah. Complete with the Van Dyke beard. Yes, very you know? important. And, and come on, listeners, just let me be clear. It's not a goatee. A goatee is only the chin. It is a Van Dyke. <laughs> and if anybody refers to him having a goatee beard, I'm going to correct them for the rest of time. <laughs> but, yeah, he just he just looked like the master. And I got I was like, wow, this is the master. Mm. Like, not just a new variation or a missing, you know, and they're, they're all good and they've got the relevance, but this is the master. Yes. As I know him. Yeah. Now, do you think we'll get much backstory on how he's got to the ship and what he's doing there, and does he have a TARDIS there and so on? I'm going to say probably not. Okay. I think that that might just be... uh, I think that the plot might work better if that is a bit of a mystery, and it would kind of be in keeping with the character as well to just, yeah, just sort of have him there. Or if they want to go really referential, Capaldi meets him and says, so you escaped from Gallifrey, Mm. and just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be enough for me. You know, I'm already thinking about the next episode in in another way, and I'm hoping, desperately hoping, that this isn't solved in any way, and especially not solved with love. Um, <laughs> Bill, I think, is brown bread and needs to stay that way. I'm not sure how the Doctor and the two Masters will work out, and Nadal seems to be a third or fourth or fifth wheel going into this episode. But the big one for me, Dave, is that this isn't solved, that time isn't reversed, that Bill isn't saved by love, that, you know, none of that nonsense happens. I think this has got to be for realsies this time. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. I think that from an emotional point of view as a viewer, 
to undo the impact of that would be uh, appalling. I think that in terms of the impact on the doctor to have to have had, as we've said, that narrative thread of the doctor making stupid decisions or careless decisions, if you're more generous, that lead Bill to this point, I think that that shouldn't be undone. Just from a purely practical point of view, she's been cyber converted. Yeah. She, she no longer has a heart and lungs. And presume, presumably, although, okay, you can see her eyes under there, I wouldn't want to think of what's happened to some of the rest of her body and her head. How do you undo that? Yeah, I think it would just be completely unrealistic for it to happen. It would be emotionally wrong, it would be narratively wrong, and it would be physically wrong. We do know, though, that Nardole is made up of spare parts, pardon the pun, and uh, such things are possible. We haven't had him all through this series to, to make it palatable that such a transformation back could be possible, do we? Uh, that's a good theory. It's a Moffaty theory. And it's just a theory. I, I'm desperately not hoping it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got to <Yeah>. say. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's just... Because, mm. again, in this episode, Nardole was talking about how he was blue once. Every episode, there are references to his hand, his lungs. He used to be blue. He was this, he was that. I'm hoping they're just all jokey throwaway lines. I'm hoping it's not meant to be a payoff and somehow he can save Bill. Yeah. So, look, I, I, I'm with you. I think I think that... I think this has to be for real, and this has to be, yeah, uh, as, as I've said, it has to be real. Uh, let's let's do the quick touch on Nardle then. Yes. I, I actually wish that he'd had his, unless there's something really big happening to him in the next episode, I kind of wish that he'd had his arc wrapped up last episode because I think this story is already feeling too full with um, the incoming regeneration of the Doctor, what's happened to Bill, two masters, the genesis of the Cybermen, and you kind of got Nardle there sort of reduced to making a couple of one-liners. And I, I just think, you know what, maybe if they just you know, had a reason for him to go, this is too much for me, I'm going to stay on Earth next time and bye or whatever, mm. and had a wrap-up for him, this episode would probably be the better without him. And I don't say that because I don't want him on screen or because I hate him. I just think that there's no room for him this time. Maybe they could have cleared the decks a little bit more. In the way that J&T often sometimes used to sort of clear the decks before a regeneration. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, they've, they've made a very rich pudding this time around. And, and look, maybe he will have something to do next episode. Maybe he, he will save Bill from cyber conversion. Who knows? But, yeah, I mean, throw in all of those things you mentioned and throw in some new-look Cybermen as well that we saw in the trailer, throw in the regeneration. It's all happening. And, yeah, he's probably the spare wheel for me as well. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think when the Doctor arrives at that South Pole, which presumably is the Christmas episode, that he meets Billy Hartnell there? And he's having his own encounter with the Mondasian Cybermen, uh, but he'll come across Capaldi, oh, what are you doing there, boy, eh? You know, and he'll be a ghost of Christmas past sort of thing, perhaps. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. That could be very interesting. Um, if that were to be done, I hope that he meets William Hartnell at the start of 10th Planet, not the end, because I don't want William Hartnell's doctor to have any lines after he's in the cyber ship and he says, thank you, it's good, keep warm, because they're such brilliant final lines for a doctor. <laughs> yes, folks, remember those for trivia nights. If you ever hear those, that's uh, Hartnell's final words. Yes. Thank you, it's good, keep warm. <laughs> Awesome. Um, have we not touched on anything in this story? I mean, there a lot happened. I think we've, we've whipped through it pretty pretty effectively. Uh, we probably haven't discussed the Master's role in this. Okay. Because I think there have been a lot of theories out there about how the two incarnations of the Master and Missy would, would work out and everything. And now I think it's fairly clear the Master is worried about the Doctor potentially turning his future self good. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to set my, my future self back on the path to evil. Mm. And how that plays out. Does the master succeed? Is Missy now utterly good? And how does that all play out? I'm still not quite buying the idea that she's good. She's still dispassionate enough. And, you know, some some of the lines like, you know, when she says evil and clever are the same thing. To me, not that's not the words or the attitude of someone who's genuinely in their soul converted no not at all and in fact that that shot of them where missy stood to one side of bill and the master stood to the other side of bill uh, as the cyberman 
Yeah. Uh, it it was almost sort of framing. She's back on the baddie side because look, there's a Cyberman. Look, there's the master. Yes, and I think that that would heighten the tragedy of Bill if the decisions the Doctor made, thinking the Master could be redeemed or thinking Missy could be redeemed, not only did not pay off but led to the death or the the cyber death of Bill. Mm. That, to me, is a very powerful narrative. If there's a sense of, well, okay, we lost Bill, but, you know, out of it, Missy became good and we've done some good for the universe and the universe is in balance, yeah, not as good. Mm. Um if Missy turns out to be good and Bill comes back to life and is saved and it's all solved, then that will just be awful. Yeah, agree. And we've got to wait seven days now, Dave. <laughs> yeah, so let me mention just a moment, as I promised to the trailer. Yes. I got to the end of this episode. The I thought the way they revealed the Cybermen's Bill, like, like we all knew the Cybermen was going to be Bill, but the way they just wait, you know, you waited to hear the words. Yeah. You know, it was really well done, and I was, you know, really punching the air at this point and loving the reveal, loving the the master reveal, and, you know, this was really, really good stuff. That last 15 minutes was powerful, wonderful, as good as Doctor Who has been for many years' stuff. And real tears, Dave, real tears, not oil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> just, it was it was almost like it was correcting some of the stupid things that Moffat's done in the past. Yes. It, this this was a really good episode in its in its second half, particularly. Then I got to the trailer, and you've got bloody new Cybermen. Mm. I hate the new series Cybermen. Of all the things a new series has done well or badly, I have the way they've done the Cybermen as number one of the things they've just got wrong yeah. consistently for 10 years. That's yeah. just my, my view. So they're back. Suddenly, you've got the Doctor wank- making a wanky speech again about how he's the person that solves all the problems, yada, yada, yada. And that's over the top of people just sort of being blown up, or Cybermen just being blown up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, I've got a really clever solution. Oh, Cybermen are being blown up. That's clever. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe it's the way the uh, next time trailer is shot. And, you know, you can't judge an episode by the next time trailer. But I'll tell you what, I thought the next time trailer was awful. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't fill me with a lot of hope. I can say that much. It did get me thinking how the new series Cybermen come into it. I, I presume they arrive at the other end of the ship, the end of the ship where the Doctor arrived, and then go downstairs to meet their, their former you know, selves, their earlier selves, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Look, there could be some very clever explanations for this, and I'm not going to prejudge it at all, but the trailer was terrible. It was like having had this clever, slow, tension-filled build-up episode about the, 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 the desperation of a people that are then willing to make themselves Cybermen and, and all of that, I thought, wouldn't it be a shame if next week we just get an action-packed, you know, new Cybermen and Explosions episode? Yeah, agreed. Absolutely agreed. Final question to you, Rob. Yes. The Cyber Mondasian costumes. Mm-hmm. Did you like them? Did they work? They work for me. They're, 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 of course, updated from what they used to be back in the day, uh, but they work for me. You know, yeah. I, I thought they were on screen and they didn't look silly at all, which was, you know, sort of one of my fears. Um, although I like them personally, I thought, how will they look in a modern TV show? But no, they, they looked good. And I think it's because it's explained to the audience how they have come about. These socks are over people's heads because they've been operated on. And um, look, here's a thing that will stop you having feelings and it's going to clamp onto your ears. So that's where the handles come from. And, you know, it, it all sort of came together very organically. <laughs> that's an ironic <laughs> word to use, isn't it? <laughs> it wasn't organic yeah, yeah. at all, but you know what I mean. Yeah, look, I, I agree. My my feeling is that this was a really clever design that perfectly paid homage to the original Cybermen, whilst I think being acceptable to a casual viewer. I yeah. think. Yeah. No, I, I was um, fine with it. But but you're right. Now that we you know re- refer to Cybermen by their um subspecies, I just love the idea of you know I'm I'm imagining Tom Baker now you know in Revenge of Cyber going <gasps> it's the Cyber Nomads <laughs> or, or Peter Davison oh look Cyber Neomorphs. <laughs> Or Troughton could talk about the Telosian Cybermen or something. Yes, yes. I forgot what, what, what David Banks called them. I'll have to look that up after the episode. Indeed. I've got that book as well. It's been a while since I've read it. All right. We've spoken for a little bit, but we had, let's face a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack, that's for sure. So how about our word of the week? Okay. What, what, I can't even remember what yours, gen- genuflectulation or something. Like that. <laughs> Genuflection. <laughs> Genuflection. <laughs> because... 
quite simply, I thought this was bowing to spare parts in a pretty major way. Um, I mean, Moffat's a fan. He's likely heard how many people have said in the past, why not do a Genesis of the Cybermen? Why not make spare parts? You know, he would have heard all of this, and he, he, mm-hmm. he, would, he would know that the tenant two-parter that credits Mark Platt um, yet is nothing like spare parts, um, was a fairly unsatisfying sort of thing. So he's probably gone a reasonable way to making it right, but not quite going the full way. Okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. Mm. I went with impossible because part of it was my feeling that up until now, the idea that you could cybernize a companion and you could do all this stuff almost seemed impossible to dream. And yet here it is. And that's incredible. I'm also have a cautionary point in there that I have a worrying, nagging feeling that it's going to be impossible to finish the story from here and do it justice. And isn't that true of most of the two-part season finales? Yeah. Um, history is not kind to some of these season finales across both the RTT and the Moffat era. It could be that we're about to have the most brilliant and satisfying conclusion to both a series and an era ever Mm, possibly you know i'm genuinely open to the possibility we're about to have an amazing wonderful conclusion to this story and to capaldi's time but it it feels impossible to me yeah i was gonna say or we could have the cyber brig fly in and maybe save everyone yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) let that thought sit with you all week dave no (laughs) No. I'm going to put this I'm going to put this all out of my mind. I'm going to approach the next episode uh, completely unexpectedly mm-hmm. um, because I think I think we don't know what's going to happen in the next episode. I think whereas this one, right from the next time trailer, the the path of this episode was pretty clear. Yeah. But the but but you know the 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 the, the, the experience of it was great. Next time, I think we really don't know what's going to happen. It's like yeah yeah. So genuinely unknown about next next time. Okay, then. What's your score out of 10? Oh, Christ. (laughs) It's an interesting score. Have you got one? I do. Well, you go with yours, because I'm still deciding. My score out of 10 is 8. And I think the jokey segments with Missy um, and even Bill immediately after the surgery, because I did take them as a bit jokey, felt wildly off target for what was otherwise a very, very dark sort of episode and a very, very good episode. So I can't quite hit the heights with this uh, score, but I think 8 out of 10 is pretty much where I'm at at the moment. Okay, I'm going to go for 8.9 recurring. Ooh, okay. Because I think it's just... You know, if I was if I was judging the last 20 minutes, I'd probably even go a 10. Yeah, okay. But the, 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 the opening stuff did detract, as I said, and, and I want to I give a score that sort of has that feel of approaching 10, but never quite getting there. And, you know, it's not there yet. So 8.99, you, know, you can see my, my score sort of approaching 9, but it's never quite going to get there. But, yeah, still an incredibly high score. This was a great episode. It just had a couple of early flaws. Fair enough. Shall we go to the sports desk? Let's go. All right. And welcome for the second last time this series to the Sports Desk, where Graham and the Colonel, sorry, Rob and Dave, <laughs> will be assessing our most valued player, our player of the week, and our foul of the week this week. Rob, who is your most valued player? My MVP, Dave, goes to John Sim for keeping that role under makeup so well hidden. Uh, he had me drawn in. I really liked it. Uh, he is my MVP. Okay, that's a pretty good call. I considered him, but I'm going to go with Pearl Mackey. Mm-hmm. The way that she sold a lot of the stuff that she was involved with without it being over the top, her wonderful scenes with Capaldi in those flashbacks. For somebody who I think a lot of us were really worried about and had heard some pretty bad rumours about before this series aired, she has been a wonderful part of this season, a wonderful part of this season. And I thought she was brilliant here, very happy once again, possibly for the last time, hmm. to give her our MVP. Absolutely. And and before this season, of course, we're all speculating that she'd be a one-season companion. I think that's pretty much stitched up now. It seems to be. Mm. Seems to be. 
Player of the Week. Dave, you go first on this one. I'm going to give it to the scene where Bill had just woken up in the hospital. Yeah. And she started exploring. And then the nurse came and solved the pain by turning the volume down. And then Bill turns the volume up on another one and it's saying, kill me, kill me. Yeah. And then she, she freaks and says sorry and turns the volume down again. I just thought for a way to so subtly and evocatively paint a picture of what's going on here and really turn an episode, you know, really turn the episode there emotionally. That was a brilliant scene and that gets my play of the week. Do you know what those scenes remind me of and make me think of? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Oh, it could do, but no. Go on. World War One hospitals. Oh, yes. Yes. You think of people came back from the trenches with horrible wounds or their faces blown off or, you know, the kind of stuff that went on. And that's the kind of vibe I got from that. Yeah, where they're just sort of managing pain rather than curing it. Yeah. 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 What was yours, Rob? My play of the week was blowing a hole through Bill. Uh, not because it made me laugh or anything or I thought it was fantastic, but just the way it sort of suggested, no, we're not going to be able to reverse this. It, it just unequivocally said, this is serious, this has happened. And I thought that was a really strong thing to do. Yeah, it was a pretty powerful moment, wasn't it? Mm, absolutely. Foul of the week. We may have a similar one here. We may have bingo. I don't know. So who should go first? Uh, look, I think we probably are going to have bingo here. Missy's faffing about with the whole Doctor Who running joke. Yes, bingo. Bingo. Uh, I, with the way we'd spoken about it earlier, I just had a sense it would be. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's let's be really clear at this point. I think I speak for you as well here, Rob. I'm not giving this foul of the week because I'm some anal retentive fan who, oh, it's got to be Doctor, not Doctor Who. I gave up on that years ago, and often in conversation, I'll refer to the character as Doctor Who because that's so much easier to some, you know, if you want to explain exactly which character you mean. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm cool with all that. He can be Doctor Who, whatever. My problem is the way that it was just silly it was drawn out, detracted from the spirit of the episode. Just just felt wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it just totally just felt right off for me. And um, I'm like you. I'm not put off by using the term Doctor Who at all, but it just didn't feel right there. And, and it felt like a massive play just to the fan against the casual viewer. Yeah, agreed. Spe- speaking of the casual viewer, mm-hmm. in, our, um, in our monthly episode, which is coming out today. Yes, later today. But we recorded a week ago. Yes, very timey-wimey. Yeah, very timey-wimey. Uh, we made mention to the fact that some parents aren't letting their kids watch these episodes live. Yeah. This is the first time, possibly ever, where I have sat there as a non-parent, but nevertheless I've sat there and gone, I'm not sure I'd let my kid watch this. Yeah, it was pretty heavy. Yeah, it was. So um, that's just a thought that you can have in your mind when you go and listen to our conversation from last week. Yeah, when you hear it next after this conversation. So, yeah, look, wrapping up, I think we've covered this very thoroughly. A lots of amazing stuff in here. Not perfect. A, a, a weak start, but how they finish this. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's huge potential. Huge potential, huge traps they could fall in. It's going to keep fandom on ten hooks for seven days. You can be certain about that. <laughs> Shall we rip into some listener messages? Absolutely. So I've got one that came in this morning, I believe. It did. So this is from David Clark, and it's coming by email. Hi, guys. Well, just let me say straight from the off, what an awesome episode. I've been watching Doctor Who since the 1970s, and this is definitely in my top 10, and since the reboot, in my top five. It was obvious that the Fagin character was the master, but it was nice to go along with it. Pearl was absolutely wonderful. She really touches my heart, and I did shed a very stiff upper lip British tear. All in all, fab episode and fab performance by everyone. Cheers, Dave. Well, some effusive praise there, and I think Dave's not alone in that effusive praise of this one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've picked a few holes here and there. There are bits we don't like, but I think largely we're in the same boat as Dave. Yeah, very much so. All right, I got one from Ezra Penny, or Ez Pen. This is also by email. This came in before the episode went out. 
He says, hi there. The season finale has everything to offer. The return of John Sim and the Mondasian Cybermen, apparently with Mondas in tow, as well as the completion of Missy's redemption arc, a spaceship and some strange hospital workers. This should be good. The trailer was perfectly edited and built up the hype until everyone screamed when the word Mondas showed up, then exploded when John Sim said that one line. I'm expecting it to be Missy or Bill, who they're talking about kicking the bucket in the synopsis. More likely Bill, because we saw her in the hospital gown, may be ready to be converted. Anyway, I'd like to wrap this up now, seeing it's Father's Day, and I don't have much time to be typing this up. Well, <laughs> thanks for that, Ezra. That's great. And you're absolutely right. Bill in the hospital gown was a big giveaway in that trailer. Yeah, look, absolutely. And uh, thanks for writing into us. I hope you enjoyed Father's Day. Indeed. Wasn't Father's Day here, though? No, that's still to come. Yeah, September. I've got an email here from Martin Oates. Thanks again, Martin, for writing into us. Hi, guys. A few thoughts on the last episode, Eaters of Light. A solid adventure, all told, a 7 out of 10 for me. There were some lovely touches, and yes, I could hear the Sixth Doctor at times. Regulars all played their part, no complaints from me. Romans and Picts, in a short amount of time, we got to know a few of them and what made them tick. The monster indeed worked better in the dark, but I quite liked what it could do, and its modus operandi. Although, how a few kids have kept the Earth safe ever since is probably best left alone. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we thought that as well, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> the bit at the end in the TARDIS with Missy went for too long. I hope that it pays off and was worth it. Well, yeah, we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Next episode had better deliver on the trailer. Till next time, chaps, Martin. P.S. My girlfriend, not a long-standing Doctor Who fan, suggested River Song might be the mother of Susan. What do you think... I think it has a bit of mileage. Oh, I don't think River Song's coming back, is she? No, I, I don't either. And given that, okay, that with Susan, there are either two possibilities. And I'm not referencing Harry Who from Get Smart there, but there are two possibilities. Either she is not the Doctor's granddaughter, but she is in the sort of um, Lungborough, Cartmel, Plath, Aronovich theory of time lord she's from the same loom as the doctor and you know she's not a biological granddaughter because the doctor doesn't do that stuff but mm. she is related to him in some way and for human terms we call her granddaughter she's either that or she is in the human expression of the word the doctor's granddaughter now if she is then that means that the doctor has a daughter or a son i guess who then has a child which is susan so if river is susan's mother that means the doctor is either river's father or river's father-in-law yes. and i think that's 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 too moffity even for moffat i think so and i guess the big thing that suggests that susan isn't involved here um and and martin's girlfriend wasn't to know this because this episode hadn't gone out is surely when she got shot she would have tried to regenerate yeah that's a good point as well mm. I, I i think that we're going to get our wish with bill which is that she is a very normal everyday person who has adventures with the doctor and i think could get a very human ending yeah look it's a horrible way to end but i think it's a great way to end in terms of the show and and such especially in the wake of so many people always living and coming back to life and all of this sort of mm. nonsense i think this could be very very good yeah all right i have a an email here from mark cameron it's the first time mark's written into us so hello mark thanks for listening he says, Hi, Robin Dave. I thought I'd write a few lines about last week's episode, The Eaters of Light. Overall, I really enjoyed it. I love the atmosphere of the visuals. I thought all the actors were good and I believed in them. The story held together and kept my attention throughout. The Missy bit was interesting as well, but tacked on, perhaps not quite as smoothly as it could be. And to answer Rob's question about why the Doctor felt a little bit different, I felt the Doctor was just a little bit more Scottish. We can be grumpy up here. <laughs> <laughs> smiley face <laughs> sorry for the novel hope you have a great show and we all enjoy episode 11 later from mark oh thanks for writing in there Mark. and yeah good thoughts and nothing there that i would disagree with although you know scottish people are lovely i love scotland mm. finally we have another one from ezra penny here which came in by email hi guys in the eaters of light i have two points to make first the cgi for the portal with the stone in front was terrible the light fell in different places and was clearly on a green screen. Yeah, look, valid point. Mm -hmm. Can't argue with that. Also, the way that they got rid of the Eater of Light seemed counterintuitive. If it literally ate light, surely the torches they were hitting it with would have made it stronger rather than weaker. I may have missed a line about how this idea didn't immediately doom the human race, or maybe that scene just wasn't well thought through. 
Sorry for the long email, Ezra Penny. Uh, yeah, maybe it was sunlight rather than burning light that made the, the issue there. I, I, I do need to go back and rewatch Eaters of Light and try and pull some of those threads together, I think. but um, Yeah, yeah. Be- between this email arriving and us recording today, I thought I would have watched the episode again with my wife, but she's still another episode behind. She's really fallen off on her Who Watching this series, partly because she hasn't been into the series as much and partly because she's been playing a few different computer games that have come out of late. Um, and so I thought I would have had a chance to have rewatched it because on the surface that sounds right, but I'm starting to think that the way the uh, the eaters of light, you know, sort of suck the bones out of people, they were eating more than just light per se. So I think there's probably some sort of explanation at hand, but I just don't know what it is because I haven't had a chance to rewatch. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. All right, but thank you again, Ez, for the uh, for the email. All right. <laughs> Was there any arc watch this week, Rob? Ah, oh, look, I guess the the master or the masters or the master and Missy is part of an arc. The mystery of Nardole, mentioning himself being blue once upon a time, sort of continues. These are these are things that have played out all through the series. But oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a bit over both of those things. Yeah, look, I think it's fair to say we're now at the point where the arc is. Uh delivering rather than being speculated upon. So all we have now is just to see how these final threads are finished and tied up next week. All right. So what about fan watch? What do you think the fans will be into? Look, I think that there will be some people who are massive big finish fans who will declare jihad if this episode, (laughs) if this episode stamps over the top of spare parts. Look, I completely agree, and that was my note, that there'd be a lot of spare parts talk. I think what I said earlier in this episode could be the good way of sort of looking at it, that on Mondas, the cyber technology is being developed, and it's being developed on this Mondasian ship as well. Um, And it's just happening at the same time and coming up with similar results, because they're working from the same basic principles. Yeah, look, that's absolutely right. Look, I, I, I don't mind either way, but I know that there are some people who take their big finish very seriously, and... It could well be that at the end of this story, it is not possible for spare parts and this episode to exist in the same continuity universe. That would potentially invalidate the whole of Big Finish as just a bit of a merchandise spin-off. That, that could raise a lot of... Uh, <laughs> there could be some threads on some Doctor Who forums along those lines that could get very, very heated this week. I think so. So that, that's a big one on fan watch. I think also lots of people will be wondering what will happen to Bill. There's obviously some concern there for her. And uh, who will get out of this alive? You know, because this is the end of Michelle Gomez for the series. Is she going to regenerate or just seem to die? Um, Capaldi's got to go off and start his regeneration and ideally the start of the Christmas episode. (sighs) So many things to happen. And a lot of speculation, I suspect, as to will we see the next Doctor next week? Yes. Come on, Samuel Barnett. Do you want to know something interesting, (laughs) Dave? Go on. In the olden days, uh, by this I mean the last year or two, when I'd tweet at Samuel Barnett and say, you'd be a great doctor and whatever, and he would reply and say, wouldn't that be dreamy? And Or he'd just like the tweets or whatever. In the last few months, he stopped liking my tweets and replying to me. And this could be that just he thinks I'm weird. Um, or it could be... <laughs> that, would, that would be my first conclusion. <laughs> or it could be that he's got the job and he doesn't want to tip me off. How about that? <laughs> Live in hope for the next week, Rob. I do. I do, Dave. Yeah, no, look, that, that's really cool. But, um, yeah, I think that a lot of us are going to be sitting there next week going, are we going to see the next Doctor? And and if they've kept a casting decision under wraps and he's revealed to everybody the first time we see the next Doctor is next week when the regeneration happens, how impressive would that be? Very impressive, and look, good friend of the show, Mark Atkinson from Prog to Who, hello Mark, has been saying by now we would have seen the next cover of Doctor Who magazine. You know, they throw it up on social media and Facebook and so on. We haven't, yeah. we haven't seen it. If that is a blah, 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 is the Doctor cover, could that be why it's being held back? I think this is all the stuff that's going to exercise fans for the next seven days. Indeed. So, next week, The Doctor Falls, written by Stephen Moffat. The blurb for it is very simple. The Mondasian Cybermen are on the rise. It's time for The Doctor's final battle, dot, dot, dot. Nothing I can add to that. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> what, 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 what can you say? I mean, look, we've, we've speculated about what this all means for The Doctor, and, um, yeah, mm. The Doctor Falls. It doesn't sound positive for Bill, does it? Not at all. Not at all. I think Bill is brown bread. I think the Doctor's... Well, 
Oh no, I just had a horrible thought. What if he gives her some regeneration energy to uh, <laughs> to come back to normal, Dave? And that's yeah, why he that, has to regenerate. It just crossed my mind as well. But look, the anguish on Capaldi's face to 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 to, to loop this episode right back to our very first comments. The anguish on Capaldi's face mm. to me was the anguish of, you know, someone who knows that his decisions have just had some pretty terrible consequences and he's not regenerating happily. Yeah, no, that's fair. That gives me hope, Dave, for the next seven days. Me too. So let's chat again then. See you then. Bye. You've been listening to The Doctor Who Show, the podcast where too much Doctor Who is barely enough. Subscribe to us on iTunes or listen through the website at www.thedwshow.net. Write to us at hello at thedwshow.net or send us a quickie on Twitter at thedwshow. Facebook.com forward slash thedwshow is also a good place to find us if you're so inclined. Our version of the Doctor Who theme arranged by George Locke. Look him up on YouTube, folks. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Doctor Who, all names and sounds, and any other related items are trademarks and or copyrights of the BBC. All other trademarks and trade names are properties of their respective owners. The official Doctor Who website can be found at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who.